Shalom Aleichem from the Yiddish Book Center. I'm Emma Morgenstern. Today I'm speaking with Tamara Kramer, editor of shtetlmontreal.com. The website includes Shtetl Magazine and the radio show and podcast Shtetl on the Shortwave. As it says on the website, Shtetl aspires to a highly inclusive vision of Judaism. It's an open place to dialogue and share. Ours is a Shtetl with porous boundaries, open and accepting of guests and contributors from all communities. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you so much. Can you just start by telling us how you came up with the concept of Shtetl Montreal? Um, well, I was uh, a journalism student, and I had studied religion, and so those those were two interests of mine. And then a community radio station in Montreal asked me if I would do their hour of Jewish cultural programming. Mm-hmm. And so at first, I really had, at first I was like, I really wanted to do a radio show, but I wasn't sure about the Jewish radio show. I didn't know what, what kind of content I would provide. I had no idea. And it didn't actually seem kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want to be in the Jewish box and it's going to be boring and all that stuff. And then I thought more about it and I thought, you know what, they're giving me carte blanche to do whatever I want and uh, why not just go for it and try? And so I just started brainstorming and came up with this funky name, Shtetl on the Shortwave, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of weird, and, and especially if you're not Jewish, like Shtetl, it's a hard name, yeah. <laughs> but people seem to find it funny. And the word, for me, it was just a fun way of talking about, like, of using an, a really old-fashioned word that symbolizes something from another time, um, but... But a little bit ironically, I mean, there is the idea that the shtetl is a village where we all come together and it's a community, and that, that's an important part of it. But it's also like definitely once you start listening to shtetl or go on the site, you're going to see that it really has nothing to do with that sort of old-fashioned vision of what a shtetl is and what culture happened there. It's more about what's happening now. And how do you use that history to inform the, the stuff that, talks about the future, the current vision of Judaism or Jewishness? Um, I guess, like, I, I enjoy the, the retro mashup of, you know, bringing together the roots, but using it to create new, funky culture. And, you know, you always have to kind of, like, what is Judaism? You know, it's, can it be just anything and everything, or does it have to have some connection or some base in Jewish text, Jewish history. Uh, so I think that, you know, the, there always has to be some small root. Otherwise, what makes it Jewish? But what people do with that root is totally, as, as, like, as you know probably from encountering a lot of the artists that are out there today, what people do with it can sometimes be pretty surprising and not seemingly so connected with the root. But for them, it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is your connection to Jewishness or to Judaism? How does that inform what you're doing also? I think my connection is an admiration of culture in general. Like, I, could, I, I am interested in culture. I could, I could be doing um, reporting on issues in Africa. I could be doing reporting and on issues in you know, the Muslim world, I find it all so fascinating. Uh, and truthfully, even just doing a show on Jewish culture 
somehow I end up being able to talk about all the world's cultures because that's a lot of what's happening in like Jewish um, cultural production today. People are are meeting up and mixing with all of their different interests, at whether that be you know African music or Jamaican music or Indian music or uh, culture and and mixing that with their their interest in Judaism. And my personal connection to Judaism is, uh, well, I guess just having grown up in a Jewish family, but also just constantly critiquing, questioning, enjoying, being annoyed at, being really pissed off at, being excited (laughs) about, you know, like the confusion and the curiosity are totally what informs Shettle. It's like I, straight from the beginning, I would always say, like, I am no expert. The only thing I'm good at is being curious about it and asking questions and wanting to know, and that's my connection to it. So this, there is this very open and inquisitive sort of tone to the whole uh, to, to the whole project of Shtetl Montreal, and I was just curious if that came out of um, an upbringing or an upbringing or an education that was inclusive, or if it was sort of the opposite, like you're reacting to a feeling like you've been cut off from all of this expansiveness, inclusiveness. Um, hmm. that's the hard thing about having uh, a radio show and a magazine on Jewish arts and culture. It's like getting questions that are that are asking me about, like, what do I think Judaism is or what is my connection? And it's not always clear to me, but I can say that um, growing up, I did, I went to a Catholic school. And so I wasn't, and I, I wasn't so connected to the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And then as a teenager, all of a sudden, my parents got divorced, and my mother decided it was time for me to, like, get back into the Jewish world, and she sent me to a private Jewish school. So for the first time, I was immersed in, like, a only Jewish environment, having come from an environment before it where I was the only Jew. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that those two experiences definitely informed how, how I connect to, to Judaism. And also just growing up in my family, I think like so many Jewish families, like they, they've tried to keep a connection to the culture and the traditions, and we do Passover every year, but we don't, uh, we don't explore it in depth so much. And so I've always had this experience of like, wow, we get together every year and we do these crazy traditions, these weird <laughs> traditions, let's say for Passover, but we don't really know why. And I think that has always implanted in me this sort of interested and rebellious spirit around Judaism that I think a lot of young Jews today have. Mm. And how has the Jewish community reacted to the content you're producing? Um, Well, the content, I think... It's hard for me to say how the Jewish community is reacting because obviously there's so many different people in the Jewish community right. and like I don't know what the Orthodox community thinks of Shtetl. I have a feeling that they probably don't look at it because there's um, I, you know I can interview a porn star on Shtetl or I can inter- I, I've interviewed rabbis on Shtetl but all the content is there. I have a feeling that not everybody in the Jewish community necessarily is reacting to the content and mm-hmm. but those who tell me about it, uh, seem to be very excited and supportive and feel like it's something that we kind of need here in Montreal in particular, 
because it's always been quite a conservative community and and questioning and kind of looking at Judaism from a critical perspective hasn't really been a big part of the culture here. Mm. So I think people are very hungry for that kind of um, that that venue and that voice and to hear to hear uh, a different perspective on on their culture and their tradition. And of course, I can't fail to mention that I'm I'm functioning on a grant from the Institutional Jewish Community of Montreal, a culture mm. grant that they've given me. So in that sense, even though I would think that a lot of the content in Shtetl is challenging the institutional Jewish world, they are at the same time financially supporting what I'm doing. Right. So it's pretty cool that way. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting. Um, and I'm pretty impressed by how multifaceted the website is. You have the podcast and the radio show, and you have the magazine, and there's also a section called Yiddish and Danish. So uh-huh. can you tell me a little bit more about that? The Yiddish and Danish section? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was just, like, started by a fun idea of um, wanting to do a video, like, short little fun video clips about Yiddish because it's so... Uh, it's such a colorful language, and I think actually a lot of people are interested in learning more about it. And also, so many of the expressions are so um, hysterical, but also philosophical, and also they kind of tell us about our history. And you learn about Jewish thought and Jewish culture through a lot of the expressions. So, Yiddish and Danish is basically um, a project where I go with my friend. Uh, to somebody's home, and we bring them Danish, and they teach us Yiddish words and expressions, and we film them and put the clips on the site. Mm. Um, and it's pretty, uh, it's been amazing because, first of all, the people that we've interviewed have been really funny and great storytellers, and you learn about their life. But also, I only have a very, very small knowledge of the Yiddish language, so I'm kind of like, going through Yiddish dictionaries and Yiddish books and going online and trying to find words to ask them to explain and kind of having to learn a little bit of Yiddish on the fly just to produce this this uh, Yiddish and Danish project. So that's kind of fun for me. Mm-hmm. And how does Yiddish fit into the rest of what you're doing with Shtetl? Um, how does it fit in? I don't know. It's just, I, I think it's just a fun part of Jewish culture that people are accessing and sort of using to express themselves today. And there's sort of, I, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to say, like, because Yiddish and learning the Yiddish language is, is a pretty traditional thing to do, but it seems like um, it's, a sort of, it's, it's sort of hard to access that in a fun way, like, I don't see a lot of people who are in their 20s or 30s going and taking Yiddish classes, but I do see a lot of people really enjoying and laughing and caring about the little bit of Yiddish that they do know and kind of wanting to know more. So um, that's that's sort of in keeping with a bit of the, the shtetl ethos because part of it is also like, for example, on shtetl, Every year we do a uh, tribute to the Kol Nidre. So last year we did a whole show about like all these different rock bands or musicians who've covered the Kol Nidre, and we even had um, 
a pop singer who's a cantor sing it live on the show. Mm. So the kol nidre is clearly a very traditional part of Jewish culture, but something that that people are interested in. They do it. A lot of people do it and sing it and participate in it every year. So why not look at it from like a fresh perspective that can give us like some new information about it, even though it's something that we think is like so old and arcane. Really, maybe it's not. So maybe it's, maybe it is relevant. Right. So you're really breathing new life into some of this culture. I don't know. I hope so, <laughs> but I guess that's that's the goal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what's been your favorite interview, or can you give us some highlights of stuff you've um, produced on the website? Uh, well, it's been a couple of years that I've been doing this, so it's hard to choose a favorite, but <laughs> recently there was a whole issue of Shtetl called Indigenous Shtetl, where we looked at how um, the Jewish world and the Native American world, or the Indigenous world, where the two cultures meet or don't meet, and that was fascinating, talking to people who are Ojibwe and Jewish or Mohawk and Jewish and uh, having some historical uh, background on how the two communities work together and understood each other. That was really fun, fun for me to do and um, like a great project that I learned a lot from. Uh, I love interviewing musicians and, and playing new music, uh, interviewing Jewish people from around the world, talking to, I don't know, the rabbi from the Abba Yudaya community. That was a highlight. Mm. Talking to Annie Sprinkle, who's, uh, she's like a post-porn feminist, uh, like adult star from mm-hmm. the 70s. And she does a lot of, um, she does a lot of uh, performance art with a feminist perspective, but she was also a porn star. And hearing about her connection to Judaism and about her take on, on Jews and sexuality, that was really fun and a highlight. Um, and also featuring Jewish artists and, and thinkers from, from Montreal and from Canada, that's also, that's also fun for me to hear their take on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned the music you play. So um, you don't just play Jewish music. Uh, no. You seem to play a lot of very eclectic stuff. So um, how do you choose your music and how, how does that add to, to what you're trying to produce? Um, well, like let's say there was a show this year and an issue of the magazine that was all about uh, transgender issues. So I played music from Schmeckel. They're a band from from Brooklyn that are like 100% transgender Jews mm-hmm. and they sing their their content is actually kind of like polka punk klezmer but it's Jewish the words they have a song about the Moyle song and so that was an obvious choice mm-hmm. so finding music that's Jewish that relates to themes that that we're exploring but also on the radio show where we talked and did an interview with um uh somebody who is transgender, who transitioned from uh, male to female. On that show, I played a lot of music by musicians who are trans, like, um, uh, I forget the name of of some of the bands, but like um, Johnston, I can't remember the names of the bands, but some some pretty amazing musicians who happen to also be transgender. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was one way of choosing the music. And then it, it's kind of like goes by theme. 
and uh, and sometimes just maybe there's musicians who are having concerts in Montreal, and I'll play their music. It's pretty. It's sort of. It's not random, but it's it's very open ended. Like there's all different ways that music gets onto the show. Mm-hmm. Great and. Uh, one last question for you. Is this your day job, or do you do other things as well? Um, well, recently I've uh, tried to make it a full-time gig, and it's not that e- <laughs> It's really not that easy to, to make this a full-time gig, just financially speaking. In terms of the amount of time it takes to produce all this stuff, definitely it's a full-time thing. Yeah. <laughs> but in order to support myself and also to, to, you know, to ensure that I'm able to pay other people for the work that they're doing to make it happen, uh, I don't think it's something that I can continue to do as a full-time thing. And previously, I also had a lot of other part-time jobs while working on this, mm-hmm. which I found challenging. But um, I think that's kind of the reality when you're producing uh, arts and culture in general, but in particular such a niche mm-hmm. um, project. Right. So for right now, I'm focusing on Shtetl alone, but I'm seeing that the future is probably going to look like a half-and-half half situation, half Shtetl and half another, another job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. This has been really great. Thank you, Emma. It was fun. Thanks so much. You've been listening to a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For additional interviews and conversations, please visit yiddishbookcenter.org slash audio. I'm Emma Morgenstern. Zymir Stark and Gesund. Be strong, be well, and tune in again soon. Uh-huh.